It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 66 of the No Look Pass podcast presented by WRSPN.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I'm your host, Frank Santos, who has a better postseason record than LeBron James somehow, and I have my co-host with me, Andy Flint. Flint, what's good? Hey, man, somebody's got to tell Draymond Green that he cannot call players dirty when he's out there head-kicking people like he's in the UFC. <laughs> Stop it. I can't. I can't decide whether it's an insult or a compliment to Kelly Olynyk when Draymond actually decides that you're a dirty player. It's kind of like case one no one, so it's like a sign of respect kind of thing. But we're going to get into our show. We're definitely – actually, we're not going to talk about Draymond Green at all because the Warriors – we'll, we'll talk about that in a second, why we're not talking about the Warriors. Uh, but we are going to get into some second-round uh, playoff stuff. But first, we wanted to talk about a couple of teams that have dearly departed. They, they are getting the Willy Wonka treatment. For anybody who listens to the show, you know how we treat people when they get eliminated. TNT has gone fishing. We have it's Willy Wonka. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. L.A. Clippers, Toronto Raptors, you lose. You get nothing. Good day, sir. But we're going to talk about these two teams in particular because they seem to have similarities in terms of where they are in their conference. You know, they say in the NBA the worst place you can be is like a fringe contender kind of team because you're not good enough to contend for a championship, but you're not bad enough to get that lottery talent, those those Markel Fultz, the Lonzo Balls of the world. You're not getting them because you're getting swept by the Warriors or something like that in the first round of the playoffs. So it's no good. Um, but we, I want to talk first, Andy, which team would you rather be, the L.A. Clippers or the Toronto Raptors going forward? I'd rather be the Toronto Raptors, and it's – really for one simple reason, and it's not even really the youth factor because, you know, Toronto to me has a little bit more youth. It's just when you look at the Clippers' payroll, it's depressing. I mean, it's like looking in your bank account, you know, two months after you've gotten your taxes back and you're like, damn, you know, I had a good time, but now it's over. And, I mean, these guys' contracts are go- – I mean, tell me Chris Paul's, you know, opting out of $25 million. And, I mean, Blake Griffin has got a player option for $21 million. You're paying DeAndre Jordan $22 million. Jamal Crawford's on the books for close to fifteen. Austin Rivers, his dad got him an $11 million deal. And I know $11 million looks a little better than it used to a couple years ago. But, I mean, they're just so top-heavy with these contracts. They've got to try to re-sign Redick or not re-sign Redick. I-, I just don't know. And-, and Chris Paul ain't getting any younger, so – it's got to be the Clippers for me. Yeah, so Clippers' fourth highest payroll in the league to this point. But let's let's dive into the Clippers. That's who I wanted to start with anyways. I'll, I'll reserve my answer for later. Uh, but let's let's talk about the Clippers because you, you brought up the contracts. But I think there's a little, a little hope in the sense that I do think Chris Paul is going to opt out of his contract. I do think Blake Griffin is going to opt out of his contract. Blake especially because with his, con- with his injury concerns, that contract, he still has enough value in the league that either some team that does, does have the cap space 
let's just say like a Brooklyn Nets. I'm just throwing somebody out there. Um, the Brooklyn Nets would offer Blake Griffin the max tomorrow. I don't have really any doubt in my mind that Blake Griffin can find an NBA team to offer him a four-year max deal in the open market. So that really puts the Clippers in a situation where do they want to lose Blake Griffin so that they give him that fifth year? Do they match whatever contract he's being offered? So, you know, that, that gives them a little bit of hope in the sense that he, you know, he is going to be off the books either way, whether he goes somewhere else or whether they lock him up for another five years and then he becomes an asset again because now you can trade him in the future and get things back for him if it doesn't work out. Chris Paul, another one, you know, does, does, does he opt out? I think that's a little a little more questionable, I would say. You know, you, you don't really know what Chris Paul is going to do. But do you, do you see my point there that, it, it, you know, there is some hope in the sense that these guys with the new CBA and all this new money out there that they might indeed, you know, opt in or opt out, I mean? Well, yes and no. Uh, yes, I, I do actually agree with you that I think that there's a, a good chance they could opt out. And actually, I almost feel like Chris Paul definitely will too now that you're saying that because obviously Chris Paul is going to be looking for that last contract. Last contract. Uh, he's no, exactly. he's no uh, spring chicken here. But the problem is going to lie with this. The Clippers are the ones that are going to give these guys the money. So I think the Clippers still believe. Doc certainly still seems like he believes. And I think that they think that this is their three, Chris Paul, Jordan, and Griffin, and they're going to pay these guys money, and this is just going to continue to recycle itself. And let's be honest, the last five years has people thinking that the Clippers aren't still the Clippers, but the Clippers are still the Clippers. Um, you know, they were well, rude to Daryl. That, that, that's one they're, part They're of the it. Clippers. That's certainly one part of it, because they've been so dreadful for so long. So this sort of success, for at least for the first, I would say, two to three years, has been like, doesn't matter if they don't like make a championship. One, we kind of feel like they can make a championship, and two, even if they don't, they're not the Clippers anymore. They're not this awful team that they're just trotting out there every every single night. So you brought up one scenario, right, where they keep they're the ones that pay Blake, they're the ones that play that that pay Chris Paul. But even then, I think they still have options. So let me run this by you because then that leaves DeAndre Jordan, right? a very tradable asset, even though he makes a lot of money in the off season, it's obviously easier to move guys before other teams have committed their salaries and thus have more cap room, things of that nature. So I think he becomes more movable in the off season. So if they re-sign Blake, re-sign Chris, and then trade DeAndre. And I think the other move you brought up Doc Rivers, they could fire Doc Rivers. That's the move I think that would be, um, that'd be the least surprising to me if, leaves realizing that you know this is not the team for him whatever they're not a contender or if the steve Ballmer, who sort of seems not quite the most stable individual if you see him on the sidelines it's not like he's just saying yeah you know we'll just give it a few more years and see how it all works out uh doesn't seem like that kind of guy to me um he might put a little bit more pressure and say listen we need a we need some kind of change so doc you're out you know it's, it's always easier to move the coach than it is to move the players as we as we all know in the nba that's always the way it works the coach is usually the first one out so that's another plausible scenario. So then you're rolling with Chris Blake, whatever you get for DeAndre. I think you can still move Jamal Crawford in this league. You know, his contract is reasonable, especially with the new CBA. I think you can move him maybe for a younger player or even, I don't know if you can get a late first round pick for him from a contender that's maybe looking for a Lou Williams kind of deal per se. Um, I think that's one possibility for Jamal Crawford. And then you kind of have some, whether that's better or worse than what they have now, I don't know. But I think that's one possible scenario for a rebuild. Well, let me ask you this question. They do re-sign Blake and they do re-sign Chris Paul. 
because I, I haven't given up on Chris Paul yet, but I mean, the window is closing and I don't know if Blake Griffin sure. can, can stay healthy, even though I can't bring myself to writing him off yet either. So let's say they do trade DeAndre Jordan. What do they need? Like what, what is going to make this team competitive? Because I, I just, that big three to me right now in this league, I think the league caught up with them so fast and turned the corner on them. Right that it almost, to me, DeAndre Jordan almost might make the most sense as like that, that he's that type of center that I think works in this league. And I, completely I almost agree. feel I like think... Chris Paul is getting a little slower and maybe Blake Griffin, people don't even care that Blake Griffin's out there dunking on people anymore because they want power forwards to like shoot the ball and play defense. And he doesn't really necessarily do those two things. So I almost wonder, is DeAndre Jordan the best asset that this team has? I don't know if he's the best asset in terms – I you know, I might give the edge to Chris Paul, but I definitely think he's a better asset than Blake Griffin at this point. Like, if they were both under contract right now and it wasn't – I think DeAndre's the guy you trade away because he's the one that you have the rights over to trade. You know, if you re-sign Blake Griffin, you can't trade him, you know, until later. So, I think that DeAndre is the, is the best trade chip, but I, I think him and Chris Paul play much better than him and Blake Griffin because, you know, the point you made, which was a great point, the league sort of caught up to them. Blake Griffin is a mid-range. He doesn't spread all the way to the three. He has a decent post game, but he needs the ball, so he's not really your new NBA guy. DeAndre is more so like if you're not going to like spread all the way out to the three-point line, like DeAndre doesn't do that, but what he does do is play defense. He's a rim protector, and if you're not going to be a guy that, that plays to the three-point line, you have to do the alternative, which is pr- pretty much everything else, which DeAndre does. You know, He catches lobs. He's a high-percentage shooter because you know, most of his shots are layups or dunks things like that and he rebounds and he blocks shots and he's a defensive protector so I, I agree with you but I think that in their situation they have to trade I think DeAndre is the odd man out only for contractual reasons yeah and that's kind of the thing is I, I just I don't know I don't know where it ends with the Clippers at this point I mean and again that was no disrespect to Chris Paul I, I obviously think Chris Paul is the best player here I just feel yeah, like that's a fair question. you know if, he, if Chris Paul loses, because it's fair to say that Chris Paul has lost a bit of a step. Not that Chris Paul has gotten bad, but I think he's definitely lost a step from where he was a few years ago. What if he loses another step? And I, I just, I, I don't know, you know, with the way the point guard position is just kind of done like two, three sixties in the last few years. You know, we went from the, the really fast, explosive Derrick Rose type to the now everybody shoots threes, the Steph Curry thing. And I, I just, Again, Chris Paul's great. He's phenomenal. I think that, you know, he was the only thing they really had going in the playoffs. But I, I just don't know. I, I feel like, to me, this is like when you're at work and you have so much to do that you just kind of kick your feet up and you're like, I ain't doing anything. I ain't doing shit. Right. You know, like, I, I mean, I just – I don't I, – yeah. if I were in charge of this franchise, I would just be so out of my mind right now not knowing what to do. And Steve Ballmer, shout out to him. That dude has ADHD. Bad. Yeah, he does. So it really is a, a tricky situation. The one thing I do want to say about Chris Paul is, you know, all the storylines after the Clippers got eliminated obviously came out about, you know, we all know Chris Paul never made the conference finals, but it's so convenient how people forget that in that very same series against Utah, he absolutely took over game three. Like, why do we forget something that happened like a week ago, you know, before like they got eliminated? All of a sudden, like, Chris Paul's not good anymore, but, like, a week before that we were saying, wow, he's still got it, he's the point guard, 
you know, like he, he literally took the team on his back in game three. And I think scorer assisted on like 15 or 18 straight points in the fourth quarter. And basically just said, we're not losing this game. And we were just amazed how great Chris Paul was. And then a week later, he's a loser. And so it's just something I really don't get about sports as a team. I mean, I think that is a top to bottom issue. Like you cannot lose what they lost game five on the uh, at home and game seven at home against a team that you're pretty much, first of all, they had about four games without Rudy Gobert, who's their best defensive player. I mean, there's really no excuse for what the Clippers did. And Chris Paul is included in that, but I would say in terms of responsibility, he's pretty low on the list. And I think the other thing about Blake Griffin that's hopeful, that's positive for them is a lot of people have made this point. I think it's a good one. Besides his first injury to his ACL, you know, his rookie year, a lot of his injuries have sort of been like freak injuries that aren't really like persistent. Like, you know, he broke his toe, you know, it's not like, Oh my God, he has knee issues that he's never going to get over. But I mean, he does have knee issues, but I'm saying the things that have kept him out are, are sort of like freak injuries during the playoffs. Well, I will say this first and foremost, I don't respect any of the Chris Paul slander. And I think that anybody who really understands the NBA today <clears throat> doesn't respect that either. What we have going on here, Frank, is in case you didn't get the memo, I'm a few years older than you, but we're kind of getting, we're not the young generation of basketball fans anymore. Like we're not even the young adult version. Like there's 19 year olds and 20 year olds out there and they have opinions too. And the thing with Chris Paul is he's not eating up time in the highlight reels anymore. He's a very great consistent, steady point guard. He's one of the top guys you would probably want to have on your team if you knew anything about basketball. He does make the three ball. People don't seem to know that. He just makes the right decisions, but he's not flashy. That's one. Two, you know, he's getting older, and he's not Russell Westbrook or Steph Curry or Dame Lillard or these guys that we see on the highlights. And I think that this younger social media squad has taken over and kind of like booed Chris Paul out of the building because I was seeing memes like, the only two teams to not make the Western Conference Finals since like 2007 or something, and it was two pitchers of Chris Paul, one in a Hornets jersey from New Orleans and one in a Clippers jersey. And I'm like, man, that's disrespectful. This is like the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen in my life. But I, I do. I think that Chris Paul's time has kind of passed, and this younger generation just – they don't care. They have no respect. Nothing. Yeah, and my, my, my closing point on Chris Paul is that he's also not the most likable player, I don't think, especially like you're saying social media – He's not the most likable player on the court because he's not making those flashy plays. He's not the most likable play, player off the court because he's not playing boy and, you know, he doesn't wear these crazy outfits to games. He's just kind of blind. And he whines. Really, he doesn't have a good – yeah, yeah, he whines. He's not a good quote. You know what I mean? It's it's just, you know, it's, he's Chris Paul. I His hairline. Like, but I can understand – yeah, I can understand why other people don't. But we're going to move up north out of the USA to Toronto, also eliminated – also getting the Willy Wonka treatment, you it's lose. It's all there, black and white, clear as crystal. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. Swept by the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, what can you do and what do you do if you're the Toronto Raptors, Andy? Well, and you just opened that up with something that I think a lot of us Americans wish we could do every day, and that's move up north out of the U.S., um, you know, for completely <laughs> – different reasons um you know the thing with toronto i see things that can be fixed here because they could be they could really easily you know 
trim some of the fat here. If they, if they don't like the way things are going, they're locked up on DeMar DeRozan for like 114 years at this point, which isn't a bad thing because, you know, despite the fact that he threw everybody on that roster under a bus and then repeatedly ran over them, I think that he's clearly their best player at this point. But the Ibaka thing, oh, I, I, think, I think Ibaka hits free agency. And I, I, I don't know. I don't feel like Ibaka ever looked to me like he had loyalty in Toronto. It's the same thing I saw in Orlando this year. So I don't know what Ibaka is going to do. But Kyle Lowry as well. They could, if they want to pull the rug under, under Kyle Lowry and say, we don't want the guy, he doesn't show up in the playoffs. And when he does show up, he's wearing questionable gear, sitting on the bench, not playing in playoff games. I mean, I, I think that they there's things they can do. Um, they're stuck with Damari Carroll's bad contract, which, again, the new CBA being what it is isn't as bad. Uh, and, you know, Valanchunas is pretty friendly, too. He's going to make $15 million this next season, 16 and then 17 on his option. But I, I think that they could surround, you know, they could make DeMar DeRozan their focal point. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, I, I, I agree that they could do that. I was going to move in a completely different direction. Uh, I, I agree with you that I, I'm just astounded that you just, like, completely turned on Kyle Rowley. Lowry, that's your guy, Villanova. And all of a sudden, DeMar DeRozan is their best player. Now, I, I'm just a little – I was a little surprised that you said that. So, I would trade DeMar DeRozan. That that would be my move. Um, I, I think the, the reason why Toronto is different than the Clippers – is that they have movable, legitimately movable assets that have high value. DeMar DeRozan, top five in scoring, I believe, this season, if not top seven, something like that. Uh, L.A. Clippers have, or L.A. Lakers have always been a rumored place for him. They have young talent. You could definitely make that, that deal work where you get, you know, a, a crop of young people that could include Jordan Clarkson, Julius Randle, either both of them, something like that. And now you're, now you're rebuilding. Now you're on your way. You have... Valentunas, like you said, has a very good contract, very movable. You can get a first-round pick for him tomorrow if you wanted to. I really believe that probably a late lottery pick, if not better, I think, for Jonas Valentunas at this point. So now, now you're, you're really working it. You can re-sign Kyle Lowry for five years if you don't like it. Now you can trade him. He'll be a very movable asset next year. And, and like I'm saying, you know, this is how you rebuild. You, you take assets that you actually have and you move them sort of like the Clippers – this is the Clippers scenario if they would have done this two years ago when they had Blake locked up, when they had Chris Paul locked up, when they had DeAndre as a free agent. So if that, that, that was always my opinion, that the Clippers should have made their move way earlier. And I think if Toronto sits on this, they're going to end up like the Clippers are right now. Uh, I lost my man, Andy. Uh, he was listening to my little monologue about Toronto. Did, did you hear what I was saying about uh, uh, moving DeRozan and, and moving Valanciunas and all that? I did. All I right. did. What do you think? So you can hear me now. I'm good. So, I, you know, I, I yes. think – and that's another option, too, with DeRozan. If you don't want to make DeRozan your centerpiece and build around him, I mean, you can trade him $26, 27000000 million a season. Um, there's definitely teams who are – ready to compete who could use, you know, a wing player like DeMar DeRozan to score the basketball in a non-conventional for this era sort of way, as he often does. And they could re-sign a Kyle Lowry, and he's also a tradable And I do. I think they have a lot of options. That's why I, you know, said the Clippers were in more trouble than Toronto in the first place. 
But I do. I, I think that there's really a, a plethora of things that they could do at this point. And, you know, it's, it's a correctable situation. Um, I, I just don't know. The problem to me with Toronto is, is you can't keep rolling into the postseason with two guys. And I'm talking about you, DeMar, and you, Kyle Lowry, who just can't seem to turn it on and make things happen. And uh, yeah. I also agree with it's you that you're, you're correct that they're kind of in the place where the Clippers were. But if they're smart, they're looking at this, and they're saying the same thing we're talking about right now. Well, we can't keep pulling up with these guys and expecting them to do things that they've proven they're not going to do. I, I just want to see a playoff series where both of these young men click at the same time. Like, that's what you need your star players to do. Obviously, you know, having multiple stars – it's nice to be able to say, well, if one has an off night, this guy will pick up the slack. But you also need moments and you need stretches. And I'm not talking three quarters or four quarters. I'm talking two games or three games where they're both clicking. You know, we, we watch LeBron and Kyrie do this, and maybe that's unfair. I know, DeMar, you're still mad that LeBron's not on your team. Um, we watch these guys do this, and we've seen other players do this before. They, need to, they, needed, to, they needed to do this already, and it just it never happened. Yeah, and I, I love DeMar DeRozan's quotes, too. That's why I want to keep him in the North. I'll pay you $100 if you can guard LeBron. And, and nobody That's was like taking me. it because they know they can't. De- De- DeMar's quote is like me saying, if I had a billion dollars, I would be rich. Well, obviously. Like, yeah, if you had LeBron, you'd win the series. Yeah, if you had the best player in the world, you'd probably win the playoff series if you just took the player on their team and put them on your team. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's accurate, DeMar. Uh, the most honest thing I, I've I ever heard. Yeah, I want to push back a little bit on your Ibaka point because I kind of liked him in Toronto, and also I think that they seem to like Terrence Ross for some reason. I didn't, but they seem to. Um, And I don't think they trade an asset like Terrence Ross, and I believe they also traded a first-round pick um, to to the Magic. I don't think they do all that if they're not expecting to re-sign Ibaka. That's just just my thinking, Um, and I think they will sign Ibaka. I kind of liked him on the team. I thought he he gave sort of like a professionalism that this team – kind of lacked, to be honest. I think the only movable, the unmovable asset is the one that you brought up, Damari Carroll. I think aside from that, everyone is pretty much wide open. And they, the other thing about them is, one, they have a smarter GM than the Clippers have. That's a big advantage. Masai is one of the best GMs in the league, you know, or people do believe that to be true. And also, they've already, they already have young talent on, on their roster. They've had lottery picks the last two to three years from other trades and, and other things. So they already have these young people that they're trying to develop. So they kind of have a little kickstart on a rebuild if they wanted to. Well, and I like Ibaka there too, and I believe they probably want to bring him back. It, it is hard to find. I mean, it, they're not floating around everywhere, and that's big guys who can play defense and shoot the three ball uh, as well as the mid-range jumper. I just don't know. Ibaka to me is like the last player in the NBA that I want to play poker against because I just I, I don't know. I mean – I just I could never even watching them in Orlando, which was vastly different. It was you know a train wreck. You could just never get a read on this guy. He always seems so serious. But I do agree with your uh, right. you know your point about him being a professional. He's been here before. He's been to the playoffs, the deep runs with OKC. He's played around guys like KD. He's played around guys like Westbrook. So I don't think he's intimidated by uh, you know bigger stars than him. And, you know, right. so I do think he's a great piece to have around. And I hope for their sake they can resign him. I just don't know with him because he's going to sure. get some money, man. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yeah, Serge Ibaka is getting paid, that's for sure. Um, for that reason, I would also rather be the, the Raptors. 
Uh, we're going to move on to the to the second round. Um, there's two series left. All respect due to the Utah Jazz. I know you're still in the series technically. And Anything's possible. Anything's possible. There was an asterisk that says you cannot come back against the defending uh, Western Conference champs who broke the regular season record last year, and that is Kevin Durant. I don't know if you heard that in the quote. He said an asterisk. It's like on, on the lost tapes. Uh, so Utah Jazz, all respect you. You're a good team, but it's not happening. So we're going to go to the, the rest of the two, the other two series, um, both tied at 2-2, Andy. We're going to start in the West. Houston-San Antonio, uh, just quick, what, were your, what are your thoughts so far on the series, and who do you have winning the series in the best of three that's remaining? And real quick, let me point to that first series you mentioned, that Utah OKC series, and I do want to say they'll be floating down a chocolate river very, very, very soon. Talking about Godstoppers. Yes, we'll have them next week. Uh, and back to the to the matter at hand here, um, the Wizards-Spurs series. You know, my first impression is, is can we get some good games? This is like one of those series yeah. where it's 2-2, and if you just looked at that, you're like, oh, this is cool. You know, we got these two heavyweights, and they're teeing off on each other. But it's like they are teeing off on each other. They're like killing each other, uh, except for game three. Uh, which was an 11-point game. I mean, I'm, this is like a Golden State game when you're like, oh, Golden State only won by 18. But uh, just <laughs> come on, let's let's have some better games here. I'm going to go with what I would have said had we gotten our show in sooner, and that was I, I actually stuck my flag into the uh, Houston Rockets bandwagon, and I was sweating a little bit after games I two and it. three. But I, I, I think they're going to do it, and I think the quote from Greg Popovich – after game four's loss was like beautiful where he said, you know, I would, if, you know, if you were smart, if you were the owner, the GM of the team or whatever, I'm, I'm kind of misquoting him here a little bit. He said, you'd trade every player and fire me the head coach. If you looked at our transition, right, if you saw defense. Transit, you're right. Somebody is finally making the Spurs play basketball. They're uncomfortable with. And I really, if I didn't have one phone or one hand holding my phone, I would clap right now and applaud them. I was telling a guy at work this earlier, like finally somebody's like taking the Spurs and forcing them to play outside of their comfort zone. I've been waiting for it for like two or three years now. Everybody just like plays the Spurs. It's like when uh, NFL teams play the Patriots, stop playing the type of game that they want to play and Houston's doing that, and I feel like the Spurs are looking a little creaky and unathletic at times, except for Kawhi because he's a cyborg. But, yeah, I, I think Houston's going to win this series. Maybe maybe I'm just, like you said, we're not, the, we're not the newest fans anymore. Maybe I'm just, like, a stubborn old man, but I just think defense wins series, and, like, I don't see Houston play any defense. Like, even – like, when San Antonio is dominating them, it's just because – Houston is playing no defense and San Antonio is just doing Spursian things and they're getting open shots. When Houston is dominating the Spurs, it's just because they're hitting like these inordinate amount of threes. And even though they're being like a little well defended, granted game four, I agree with Pop that they kind of fell apart. But for the most part in the series, like when the Houston goes on their runs, it's just because they're making shots that they shouldn't be making or that, you know, they just have like extremely talented offensive players, not just James Harden, Eric Gordon, Lou Williams, even Trevor Reasons had a good offensive series. It's so all these guys that can just make plays for themselves, and it's just like this shouldn't even happen. Like, those shots shouldn't even go in. And I just feel like it's going to even out, and, you know, push comes to shove. I'm going to take the more consistent defensive team, and that's why I'm going with the Spurs in seven. But I don't at all feel comfortable about it. Uh, let's move on really quickly to the funeral series. Uh, Washington and Boston, who do you got winning this series? This has been the best series so far to me, I think, hands down in the entire playoffs. 
you know, take a quick second to say thank you, Washington Wizards, for making the playoffs really awesome this year because I thought that first-round series was really good too um, against the Hawks. I picked uh, – I was picking the Wizards – before the series, I'm sticking with them. I was sweating a little bit after those first two games, which I think Washington should have won both of. But uh, right. game two, like the third quarter by Boston was insane. I feel like they made like every shot in that quarter. They they came into the half down a few points and ended up being up by like 11 or something at the end of the third. And I was like, holy cow. But, yeah, I'm sticking with my man John Wall because he's the truth. I am also going with the Wizards. Um, I had them in six going into the series, and I have them in six still. I think they're going to win the next two, actually. And for me, it's just because they're the more consistent team. Like, Boston has had these incredible lapses in every game. I mean, in the first three games, it was the first quarter. Washington just completely blitzed them in the first quarter. In the game four, it was the third quarter. Washington just completely blitzed them. And for a team that's supposedly, you know, quote-unquote, well-coached, it kind of seems strange that Boston is having these just complete mental lapses for a long period of time. Like, it, there's no excuse in a regular season game for a team to go on a 26-0 run. There's definitely no excuse in a playoff game to give up a 26-0 run. It's just you just can't do it. it it's just that's but that's like almost a coaching thing to me. Like if you're giving up a 26-0 run, wet behind the ears. And I feel like when Isaiah doesn't have the magic going on offensively and he's not getting the buckets they're accustomed to Isaiah getting, they don't have much else going on. Like they, they It's almost right. as if they have one game plan. It's almost as if Scott Brooks is coaching that team back when he was the Thunders <laughs> coach. And it was like, if, if my ISO with Isaiah doesn't work, nothing else is going to. And, and that's really what's yeah. happened here. And I feel like the games that they won – it was just, like, fluky to me. I, I hate to say it, no disrespect to Boston, but something's going on. And Washington's tough, man. Yeah, yeah, they, they're a very tough team. That's one thing I like about them. It's one reason why I'm, I'm looking forward to them possibly facing the Cavaliers in the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that'll make it fun. Uh, but that is the end of our show. Join us next week as we continue our journey around the NBA. Obviously, we only have a few stops left with the playoffs going on. Follow the podcast on Twitter at NLP Podcast and like us on Facebook at Facebook.com slash NLP Pod. That's N like Nathan Scott, L like Lindsey Graham, T like Phil Locke. We will end as we always do with the great philosopher Jason White Chocolate Williams, who once probably thought basketball is a lot like last call at the bar. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking. And with that, we bid you good night. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.